Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to the Armchair Booking Wrestling Podcast. I'm your sick host. My name is Steve Barber. And joining me is my probably sick as well co-host, Waylon Davis. Hi, Waylon. Hey, everybody. I am sick, just different than yours. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Um, I do want to apologize for this past Monday uh, because I have caught a, not COVID, I will say that. I'm going to put that out there right now. I've had COVID before. Y'all who've been listening to it for a while, you know I had COVID last February. And that knocked me down for uh, a couple of weeks, but no, this is just, it's just a normal cold. The one that you catch in December seem to catch it every year, whether I had the flu shot or not. And it's one of those with that nasty cough and just kept going and going. I was like, okay, I can't do the podcast. If I'm just coughing every, you know, about every minute, it was just going to like a coffee fit. Now, fortunately I was coughing up stuff. So it was productive cough as the way they like to call it. Right. You know, but either way, it made it no fun to try to do a podcast. I'm like, I got to go take some medicine, drug myself up and go to bed, <laughs> you know, and that was actually a very, um, a very last minute kind of thing. Cause I even, uh, I tweeted about it and I apologized then. So, uh, and I will, I'll apologize once again, my bad, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, I still do. I don't know if my voice sounds any different, but it, it's still kind of there, but I'm feeling a lot better, uh, thankfully. And yeah, Joanna, has the sickness been going on in your house at all? Uh, no, Hope's had some stomach issues, but um, I think that's just like an isolated thing because nobody else has been sick. So she's had, but she she doesn't have a gallbladder, so certain ah, things she okay. certain things she eats just kind of messes her up. So okay, yeah, greasy foods, I imagine. Yeah, and stuff that's real creamy, and we had yeah. like. Uh, creamy chicken noodle soup a couple Ooh. of days ago and it just it messed her stomach up it's usually fine but something something about it that day just messed her stomach up so yeah we thought Tawana had something like that a few years ago we thought she was going to have her gallbladder taken out and you know apparently greasy foods it just sets it off mm-hmm. yep Ooh. uh but other than that uh, like i was telling you before we started recording i also found out today officially that i have sleep apnea you welcome hey. to the club <laughs> yeah and then that's a lot of fun and then uh i said you know i found out that i would stop breathing around 20 to 22 times a, a minute and what'd you say dwelling those are rookie numbers those are rookie numbers yeah mine is uh about 70 times a minute i stopped <laughs> breathing so my wife is on me because a lot of times i'll like lay down and take a nap and I won't put my mask on. And then she'll yell at me to put my mask on. And that's why, because I quit breathing so much right. while I'm sleeping. So, but uh, I, feel, I feel good when I, when I wear the mask, when I sleep, it's just, sometimes I get lazy and don't put it on. Oh, the, the doctor was explaining the mask. I works. This stuff. I never knew. It just, it keeps that constant airflow going. Yep. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay, cool. You know? So, but unfortunately it's on back order Yeah. Uh, because apparently some of the masks got recalled. Which and, ones were? Oh, um, I wish I remembered the name. The one that I use is the um, Airfit F20. Um, it's a full face mask, covers my nose. It covers my nose and my. It covers my nose and my mouth. All right. And uh, but it it works well because I because I open my mouth when I sleep. So right. I'm a mouth breather. So they said yeah. I had to keep everything covered. 
you know what? Yeah, because I've seen pictures of me when I've been asleep, and yeah, apparently I'm I, I must be a mouth breather also. Uh, which is kind of, which is kind of scary because of you know spiders. <laughs> but uh, so as far as like wrestling news, uh, we found a, uh, some kind of interesting news about some moves with what's his Kyle Riley. Yes, moved to Kyle Riley. Yep, debuted last night. Uh, helped Adam Cole uh, beat Orange Cassidy, and so now him. Bobby Fish and Adam Cole are back together. And there's an interesting thing happening because the Bucks came out and they're looking at Adam Cole like, where are you, you know, who are you with? Are you with them? Are you with us? And it's like, it's going to be interesting to see where where that goes because you've got pretty much the undisputed air right there. But then when Adam Cole's with the Bucks, it's a super quick, so it's like which, whose side is he on? I'd say which ill faction are you with? Yeah, yeah. Uh, which make that always makes it interesting when the heels start fighting each other. Yeah, I'm just waiting for the uh, Young Bucks Red Dragon match because those are always excellent. I remember those from Ring of Honor. And one thing that happened this past uh, Monday on Raw while I was, you know, laying down waiting for death was Amos or Omas, which is it, Amos or Omas? I think it's Omas, but I've heard it both. I've heard the announcers say it both ways, so I'm not 100% sure exactly uh, what it is. We'll just call him the big dude who played basketball in Central Florida. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, after Taco Fall, apparently. Or did he? Oh, wait, wait a minute. Were him and Taco Fall there at the same time? I'm not sure. They may have been. Uh, you know, uh, I can't see it being an unstoppable team because guys that tall usually aren't that fast. Yeah. But uh, but to see, you know, uh, back to the wrestling thing. Yeah. Him and AJ finally split up, which we saw that was probably going to happen. Yeah. Um, From what I read, they were actually, they actually split them up quicker than they intended to just because they have some things lined up for AJ which looks like it's going to be a mini feud on NXT because he, he showed up on NXT to um, talk to Grayson Waller, who attacked Johnny Gargano when Johnny was leaving NXT. Hmm. So AJ was on there last night. And then, of course, they see big things in Omos just because he's big. He's so big. <laughs> Yeah, Vince looked at him and said, I see dollar signs. Yeah, I... I I would not be surprised if they didn't book him to win the Rumble this uh, this coming year. Well, who is the tallest person to win the Rumble? Taker? Or John Studd? I was going to say, was it Taker or was it John Studd? Undertaker, no, it was Taker. Because John Studd, I think, was like 6'8 or 6'9. Undertaker, 6'10 and a half. Okay. Because I don't think Andre Andre never won the Rumble. No, Andre Andre was in two, I believe, and did yeah. not win either one. Yeah. Uh, but, and Stud was only in one, and he only and he well, won one. I take that. I take that back. No, because you know, Big Show never won the Rumble. No, Big Show never won. He should have. Which, well, he technically he won, but but, but the, he refer, didn't. the referee's Technic decision was final. Yeah, technically he won the two thousand Rumble, but the referee didn't see the Rock's feet touch first, so. And then 
Kane's never won the Rumble. Should have. Should have. Uh, Batista is only about 6'5". Yeah, we say only, but only. yeah. Yeah. Um, He's yeah. a big dude. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm trying to think. I think it's I think it's Undertaker. You know, I think, yeah. Uh, I mean, I'll have to go back and look, but, uh, it, you know, it's either toss-up for him or Rey Mysterio. Yeah. <laughs> <coughs> so, anyway, um, but, you know, seeing them kind of split up, you know, all, like you said, already, you know, which we saw, we knew it was going to happen eventually. Yeah. And, and we saw it coming. I mean, you could see they were pulling the uh, Shawn Michaels diesel yeah. thing with, with them too, you know. And I'd, I'd still like to see Omas team up with Aziz or yeah. um, or the big, uh, the, the guy from India. Um, uh, Shaky? Shaky? Is it Shanky? Is it Shanky? Shanky or him. It... Yeah. Him. Yeah. Because I keep forgetting about him because... Uh, he's always been lumped over there with Jinder Mahal. And yeah, Jinder, and then you know Jinder Mahal's he's not small either. No, he's not a small guy. He's probably he's probably six four, six five himself. Easily. But just to see, you know, or you know what, put all three of them together. <laughs> you know, just yeah, give just, them, just give them all the titles right now. Yeah, just have a stable of the the biggest guys in the company. Yeah, we'll call them the new Florida State basketball team. Yeah, <laughs> you know, because like I said, Florida State always has a couple yeah. of twin towers on their. They teams. really do. You know, and it's amazing how they don't get further than what they do. But, um, but then again, they're in the ACC, which we know is the the toughest conference in college basketball. I don't care who you are. <laughs> yep. Don't tell me anything about the Big Ten or the SEC when it comes to basketball. Or the Big Twelve, who Kansas, you know, they have Kansas had a good team every year. You know, okay, Baylor won the national title last year, but last year is kind of a weird year. Yeah, last yeah, last year was last year was a bubble year, so it's like kind of not to take anything away from them no, winning. I mean, but very just, very talented team. Yeah, but it's just it was a strange time for sports that last year. But in other wrestling news, sad news. Uh, Corporate Kirshner passed away a few days ago. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah. And I think a lot of people may have forgotten about him because he was, they said he was brought in to kind of replace Sergeant Slaughter, but then they were saying, well, no, he was also, he was with Slaughter for a little bit and then Slaughter left. If I remember right, I think that's, I think that's right. Cause they, I think they were together and then yeah, Slaughter left. And uh, then it's like they didn't really have anything to do for the colonel. Nope. Um, oh, the corporal? The corporal, sorry. Um, that's, yeah, big, big difference. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <coughs> the, the colonel later on, that was Colonel Mustafa who came in, used to be known as the Iron Sheik. Yeah. But, yeah, I saw that um, he died. And I, I was actually shocked by his, his real name because I actually thought his real last name was Kirshner. And uh, and I was wrong. Um, and let me find out his real name because I had the story pulled up and now I don't. Corporal Kirshner, there it is. 
Michael James Penzel. Hmm. Okay. Yep. Yep. Um, he died of a heart attack, you know, a yep. few days ago. And that's, um, and longtime wrestling fans like myself and Joylan, we definitely remember him mm-hmm. because yep. we, we kept up with all the promotions. Yeah. And, and I remember when he, um, when he was in the WWF back in the day, because they had him feuding with Nikolai Volkov. Yeah. And his finishing move was a clothesline. Um, it wasn't the slaughter, you know, the Cobra cannon yeah. you know, that he had, but yeah, uh, but it was still kind of a flying lariat clothesline. It was pretty decent, but he just couldn't get the, the fans around him the way the slaughter could. No, it's like, I think, and I think that was just more, it wasn't for lack of his skill or, you know, charisma or anything like that. I think just in the fans, eyes, slaughter was their guy. So it was like, they didn't really have room for another military type guy because right. they were already, you know, behind slaughter. And, but the one difference between him and slaughter is the man behind Corporal Kirshner was actually in the military. Oh uh, yeah. Yep. yep. He, he was actually 82nd airborne and that's probably where he fell in love with North Carolina and anybody who's been in North Carolina, you'll understand why, <laughs> uh, because, uh, I didn't realize that yeah, he lived in, uh, he, well, he, when he died, he was living in uh, Silar City, which is a little less than an hour drive away from where um, I lived down in Aberdeen. Oh, okay. You no, know, so uh, he was fairly close. It's like driving from you know Hopkinsville to Nashville. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was like that close. So, um, but yeah, definitely thoughts and prayers are out to uh, you know his family and and yeah he um, he didn't make a huge impact, but he was definitely remembered. You know, yes. for the corporal Kirshner, Leatherface, and yeah. You know, so a lot of people remember him and, and, um, and yeah, we'll definitely, he'll be missed. So absolutely. But one of the things that Corporal Kirshner, Sergeant Slaughter, Iron Sheik, Jim Brenzel, uh, let's see, Rick Flair, Ricky Steamboat, they all have in common is they were all trained by Vern Gagne. Absolutely. Yep. And that is actually the subject of our show tonight is Vern Gagne and the American Wrestling Association. Yep. And one of the questions I just want to kind of throw up there is kind of an overarching uh, topic, if you will, if you will, if I can do that. Because <laughs> uh, I've always thought Vern Gagne, he was kind of ahead of, ahead of his times, but then again, in some other ways, he was behind the times. Yeah. And that's a weird, weird combo there. But um, it, and I think that's a, ultimately what kind of caused them to, you know, kind of lose the, the battle against Vince McMahon and the World Wrestling Federation. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, <laughs> because, you know, I, like we were saying before we started recording, like, Vern Gagne and the AWA as a whole do not get the credit that they deserve for their contributions to the golden age of wrestling, especially their contributions to the then World Wrestling Federation because Vince would not have been able to expand his company and expand, you know, nationwide without poaching talent from the, from the AWA. It's like, you know, he took the AWA's biggest stars, whether it was wrestlers, announcers, managers, and put them in prominent positions on his programming and his 
you know, live shows and built an empire with it. But if it hadn't been for the work that these wrestlers had put in, in the AWA and the work that Vern Gagne had put the, the work, the time and the money that Vern Gagne had put into these wrestlers, Vince wouldn't have had the talent that he needed to do that expansion. Exactly. And I think, uh, like you mentioned, the first names that we got to think of Hulk Hogan. Yes. You know, I yeah. mean, Hogan's the first one and Hogan was, I mean, Hogan was a main event guy in the AWA. He even unofficially won the AWA world heavyweight title from Nick Bockwinkle, just the referee reversed the decision. But, but, you know, Hogan got to be a big star in the AWA and then Vince comes knocking and money talks. And of course, you know, Hogan left and Hogan left Jesse Ventura, Gene Okerlund, Bobby Heenan, uh, Scott Hall, Kurt Henning. Well, Scott Hall actually went to uh, WCW first, but uh, he still ended up in in WWE. But Kurt Henning, who was a, you know, and Kurt Henning and Scott Hall were tag team champions in the AWA. Kurt Henning was a former world heavyweight champion there. And he also went to WWE and it's like all that talent, just those names right there is, you know, that's a hall of fame list right there of people that have gone, that went from the AWA to WWE. Oh, not only that, but uh, Rick Bartel is another one who should yeah. be, should be in the WWE hall of fame, but yeah. I don't think he is. He's not, but I don't understand why he's not. But. Uh, was he part of that lawsuit? He may have been. Uh, so yeah, some of the names of that lawsuit kind of uh, surprised me, but um, but yeah, Rick Martell later on he went there. He went with um, Tom Zink. Yes, uh, Tom Zink was also part of the AW. They went, and that's when they were the Can Am Connection. They were a good team, but that's and then they split, and there yeah, a lot of stories there. Um, but along with Martell uh, was somebody like John Nord, who became yeah. the Berserker. Uh, the Berserker. Yep. And not necessarily Hall of Fame, but he was another big man. He was, he, he was a big man. He was still a, he was a memorable character. I mean, he was a, you know, he was a mid-card guy, but he, even back then, even the mid-card guys were getting, you know, were sniffing at the main event because just the talent that they had. Uh, and even uh, Bundy. Bundy, before he went to the WWF, yep. he was in the AWA because he he and Crusher Jerry Crusher Blackwell had they were a tag team, nine hundred and twenty pounds. Yeah, and that's ridiculous. And Crusher Blackwell, he was ridiculous anyway because a man who's <laughs> four hundred fifty pounds should not be getting up throwing drop kicks, but he was doing no, it. no. <clears throat> I mean, that dude, he was. Uh, yeah, he's one of those cases where somebody that big should not be able to do the moves. He right, did, but he was pulling them off, and he was pulling it off well. But. Vern Gagne, the list of wrestlers he trained. Let me see if I can pull this up. Um, can you still see me? Yeah. All right. Uh, in fact, you know what? I'm so you can see the list too. I'm actually going to do a screen share because this is going to um, some of these names. It just blew my mind. All right. Can you see this? 
Mm, no, I can't see anything yet. Oh, really? There it goes. Yep. Okay. Okay. There's his participants. Can I see your application? <laughs> this is off uh, cagematch.net. If you go, just look up Vrangania. Okay. And, and then you click on Entourage. Okay. Uh, it, it lists 44 wrestlers he trained. And um, coincidentally enough, um, Corporal Kirshner's name is actually not on this list. Uh, so, I mean, but he trained it's something I, I read, something like 150 to 200 wrestlers. And some of these names I don't recognize, but other ones I do, like uh, Dick the Bruiser, um, yeah. Larry Hennig, uh, Gene Anderson, Black Lars, Jack, Lars yeah, Anderson. Yep. Uh, Ole Anderson. He trained three out of the four Andersons. Yep. Uh, let's see. Uh, let, me, let me just start at the top. Uh, Scott Norton. You know, and these are names that we, if you, if I'm, if I blow through a name that you recognize that I don't, just let me know. <laughs> but uh, Scott Norton, Ludwig Borga, who would have thought that? Yeah. Uh, Bill Kaz, Kalsmeyer, Tony Danucci. Tony Danucci. Is, is he related to um, Dominic? Uh, he may be. I believe Tony Danucci trained the Dudleys. Okay. Because yeah, I said he was a wrestler for 33 years and he yeah. started, and so he's he's still wrestling. Okay, wow. yeah, wow. Bill Kazmaier, there's a name you don't hear very often. Uh, Kurt Hennig, Brad Rengens, Ren, Ren, you know, it's hard to say Hennig and hard to say Rengens without yeah. throwing an extra vowel in there. Um, Bill Irwin, and I believe uh, Scott Irwin's also on the list. Uh, Paul Ellering, I didn't know that, I didn't either. Um, Buck Zumhoff, yeah, he's in jail, scumbag. Yeah. Um, Ricky Steamboat, um, Chris Taylor. Chris Taylor, he was an Olympian, wasn't he? I'm not sure. There's Playboy Buddy Rose. Yep. Greg Ganya, Iron Sheik, Sergeant Slaughter, Jim, Jim Brunzel, Blair, Patera, Bog Bruggers, Dennis Stamp. You remember who Dennis Stamp was? I remember the name, but I'm not placing the face. Um, have you seen Beyond the Mat? Yes. He was the guy who refereed the match with Terry Funk and Bret Hart. Remember who Terry Funk, you know, they. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That, yeah. That was Dennis Stamp. Cause he said, even though he had not wrestled in however many years, he always kept himself in ring shape. Just, just, just in case. In case. Yeah. Yep. Uh, Blackjack Mulligan and along with Blackjack Lanza. Um, Buddy Wolf. I recognize that name too. Um, Baron Von Roschke. Um, the hippie, Mike Boyette. <laughs> <laughs> I think I already mentioned Blackjack Lanza, and may he yeah. rest in peace also. Uh, but, I mean, this is just an amazing list. And, and those are there's a lot of names that we don't mention yeah. because, you know, I, I didn't. There's some of these names I have no idea who they are. Uh, Kurt Hennig's dad is on there. Larry yeah, the Barry. Yeah, who would have thought that? But Vern Gagne, he, he was also a military man. Now, I've seen a couple of things. I don't want to say they conflict, but I just know it was a different time for the military. He was in the Marine Corps. But he was also a, a, apparently attached to what was what later on became the Navy SEALs. Oh, okay. You know, so, um, yeah, you and I, I know it's weird. Marines have their own special forces. They have their own special operations. It's, you know, right. Marine Force Recon. Navy SEALs, I mean, if you want to be a Navy SEAL, you have to be in the Navy. Um, but the Marines are under the Department of Navy. So, uh, like I said, I mean, this was back, you know, during like, World, well, not World War II. I think it was, it said it was in Korea. But yeah, so Vern Gagne, I had read before though, he was a Marine. And once a Marine, 
always a marine yeah so um but yeah so i thought that was uh just i mean and like i said there's some names that aren't even on this list because corporal yeah. kirshner was also trained by him well there was i found another list um just a, a quick google search uh he also trained uh let's see bob backland jesse ventura the road warriors uh he, Rat- he, he had a little bit of the training with the road warriors because they yeah. were trained mostly by eddie sharkey yeah uh let's see but you rude, said rick rude rick rude rick steiner so i think i think some of those were him and sharkey together right during the training but still like he's the world champions alone that he's had a hand in training yeah i mean that's I mean, look, Scott Norton, former IWGP heavyweight champion. Kurt Henning, former AWA world champion. Um, let's see, of course, Ricky Steamboat, Ric Flair, uh, Iron, Sergeant Sheik. Sla- Iron Sheik, Sergeant Slaughter. Uh, he's trained, you know, trained Olympian, Ken Patera, who was a former intercontinental champion and an Olympian. Um, and Chris and Taylor, then, like I said, I think, I'm just going to drive me nuts. Chris Taylor, I believe, was also an Olympian. Oh, oh Billy Robinson. That was another somebody else he trained. Yep, yep. Oh. I mean, it, it's... Oh. But, yeah, the list is just enormous. Yeah. And that alone, I mean, tells you there's a legacy that just keeps going and going and going. Yeah. Because how many of these people have gone on to train other people? Exactly. And, you know, in... Yeah, so that to me, um, I know there had to be some stuff that Vern, well, it's I mean, because we know some of the things why Vern a lot of times isn't, isn't brought up in conversations, even though he should be, because he did make some mistakes along the way. You know, uh, we all do. But yeah, that's true. Um, but when we look at that list there, and you say, well, why didn't they they stay there? A flair, I believe, actually talked about this in his uh, first book. When he left, you know, of course, Vern trained him. And with their thousand free squats to start out the day. Yes. I, I would have got like about 100 in and said, All right, you know what, I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> you, know, you, you, uh, you know, forget this. But, but I mean, I get that's why they were separated. But that flair even says him. That's why he has the cardio he does even now. Yeah. But when Flair left and he was going, I believe, is when he originally went to Mid-Atlantic, Vern wanted him to sign over like a certain uh, percentage of his earnings for like the next however many years over to him. Yeah. And yeah, the folks in Mid-Atlantic took one look at that contract and went, no. Yeah. You should not be doing that. Well, he he did the same. He tried to do the same thing with Hogan. Hogan Mm -hmm. was wrestling. He was, you know, in the AWA, but he was also allowed to wrestle in Japan. And he, Hogan was a big star over there. He made, made a lot of money in Japan. Coincidentally enough, Hogan actually wrestled in Japan, not the WWE style, but I'm talking drop toe holds and technical wrestling. And, And the strong style they do. Yeah. Hogan did that over there. And then Vern Gagne wanted a piece of his earnings from Japan. 
I think that was another big factor that made it easier for Hogan to go to WWE when they came calling. Well, it wasn't just a piece. He wanted a majority. Oh, really? He wanted like a 60-40 type thing. Oh, wow. I thought he just, I thought he wanted like a, like a small percentage of it. I didn't realize he wanted controlling interest in what he made. Exactly. And there's, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have done it either. And I was just, you know, I was just reading when Hogan was wrestling, uh, he was going to stay with Vern because Vern in a way, and this is why I say he was kind of ahead of his time. He was doing some of the same stuff Vince did later on. Vern was expanding nationwide, but he was not raiding other people's territories. Yes, exactly. they They had agreements where, hey, you know, we'll come in and we'll wrestle on your card and, you know, we'll take some of the money and you get some of the money and it'll bring a lot of people there. We'll all make a lot more money than we normally do. Right. Like I said, like I said last time with Burns way, everybody eats. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And, and he was, I mean, cause look, look at where the AWA, everybody thinks, well, they were, they were the Minnesota organization, but they were in, they were in Minneapolis. They were in Chicago. They were in Las Vegas. They were out in San Francisco, they were in New Jersey at some point, and it was when they were, he was expanding, heading kind of heading towards the Northeast, and Hogan said he was going to stay with him, because he was going to be heading towards New York, and that's, that is where the money is, it doesn't matter what yeah. company you're with, but that, that's right. where the money is, and Vern wanted a piece of not just his Japanese stuff, but also uh, Hogan had already started merchandising. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. And Vern wanted a controlling share of that. Ben Hogan finally decided, you know what? I'll go 50-50. Vern didn't want to go 50-50. He still wanted a majority. So Hogan's like, okay, not going to do it. Now you get nothing. Yeah. yeah. And then Vince said, hey, you want to work for us? And he's like, deuces. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I don't blame him. I mean, that's, you know, I don't want to work for somebody who's going to say, okay, you know, now I'm going to take 60% of your paycheck. <laughs> no, you're not. Yeah, it's like, no. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's like, yeah, no, no that's not going to work for me, brother. <laughs> and, uh, but um, it seems like Vince has kind of started following in Vern's footsteps with that kind of thing with them with, you know, wanting a percentage of the, um, the Twitch, the different wrestlers' Twitch channels. Yes, they yes. basically took over, uh, Xavier Woods uh channel basically yeah now it's under the WWE umbrella so they get to control what content is on there and all that stuff that's how they did Zack Ryder Zack Ryder got his YouTube channel over on his own and then WWE saw how popular it got so they basically took it over and then did nothing with it because hmm. he wasn't, he was never supposed to get over. Uh, sometimes then, you got to let things happen organically. Yeah. And then there's a rumor that contracts are being restructured to where some people are not getting going to get downside guarantees. Oh, uh, right now that's just hmm. a rumor, but I've seen it reported several times, but there hasn't been any. Um, confirmation yet, but it does not surprise me a bit because the way they've been cutting people and the way they've been 
you know, doing everything, it would not surprise me if they started cutting out downside guarantees. And Vince and whoever else is there, whether it be Kevin Dunn, whether it be Tony Khan, not Tony Khan, Nick Khan, too many cons. <laughs> Somebody just changed your name. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, whoever it is, it's that's making a lot of these decisions and they're not looking at when other companies made those same decisions and those companies went under partly due to those decisions. Yep. Yeah. Cause we've ever, you know, it, the history of WCW, I mean, has been documented uh, time and time again, a lot of the mistakes they made and there's, it's, everybody kind of comes to the consensus. It was not one single mistake. I mean, it was not, it was not only the finger poke of doom. It was, and not not only watering down the NWO, it um, it wasn't only the um, the favored nation clauses and some of the contracts. I mean, it was a now, common it was a combination of a lot of things. Yeah, it was it was egos. It was letting the wrestlers dictate everything that they did. I mean, it's like right. It's like everybody at the top had complete creative control of what they did and it's like that does not make for you know i it is fine to have your main event guys have input in their matches and things like that but when you're letting guys decide no i don't want to lose that guy so i'm just not going to do it and you just completely you're just like okay and completely change the script to accommodate it's like that sets a bad precedent, and that's exactly what they did, and it just, that's why everything went downhill. And if you notice, you know who did not do that? Vince. Exactly. And that's the yeah. whole Vince screw Brett, and Vince says no, Brett screw Brett. Yeah. Because he did, and the way they did it was, you know, still shady. I'm not going to agree with how they did it. However, the, the point was that Brett was being unprofessional. Yeah, and that's the that's the thing. Even after all these years, whenever you hear anybody talk about the, the Montreal screw job, it's always the blame is always put on, and to an extent it deserves to be, Vince McMahon, Shawn Michaels, Triple H, the you know, Earl Hefner. Well, not really Earl, because Earl was just he, doing Earl, what he was Earl, told. Yeah, he was doing what he was told. Earl did what he was told. But the other three, they were in on it. They came up with the plan. But I agree with something that Ted DiBiase said, you know, a few years, you know, a few years down the road after it happened. And he said, should it have happened the way that it did? No, but Brett needs to take some responsibility for this as well, because whether you lose in Canada or whether you lose in New York, you still, you're still going to lose. So, you know, do it the right way. He could, he should have just, especially if he, he knew he was leaving. So he should have just lost the title to Sean and went out the door. Mm -hmm. But he let his personal issues with Sean get in the way of being a professional. So he just wanted to hand the belt over and not have to lose to anybody, especially not, not have to lose to Sean. But who, so who ironically feel, enough had also actually done that very thing where he just, well, he just showed up. He didn't announce ahead of time. He just showed up and said, I lost my smile here. Had the belt. <laughs> yeah. I lost my smile. 
I got beat up by some Marines, which he actually did get beat up by he some Marines. He did get Marines, beat up by but, some Marines. Yeah, but, I mean, there's been several times, plus, you know, that, you know, 90 Shawn Michaels was not a pleasant guy. I mean, my favorite wrestler of all time in ring, but he was not a good person outside of the ring. No, he wasn't. But, but with Brett, you know, Brett should have done business, you know, instead of yeah. saying, well, I'll just give him the belt tomorrow night. Yeah, because um, he didn't want to, he didn't want to lose it. He didn't want to lose it in Canada because they were in Montreal. And then he wanted, he didn't want to, he didn't want to hand over the belt at all in Canada. He wanted to, down the line, hand over the belt, I guess, when they were back in the States. And yeah. it's like, it doesn't work that way. If you're leaving, you're supposed to go out on, you're supposed to go out looking at the lights. That's how yep. it works. Yep. And of course, ironically enough, he wasn't looking at the lights. He was actually looking at the mat because he was in the sharpshooter. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, but either way, I mean, you're supposed to lose. And yeah. Well, they made him remember. Uh huh. But, um, but you look at, look at some of the, I mean, back to the AWA, Shawn Michaels is another one, him yeah. and Marty Jannetty. They weren't trained by Vern, but I mean, they came from the AWA without without that experience that they got, especially Sean in the AWA, Sean would not have become the legend that he became. Right. Because he got that exposure and got that experience under Vern Gagne. And when, well, we'll have to say the second time they went to the WWF. Because yeah, the, first, the second time, because they got yeah, fired the first time. The first time they were there, one match, and then threw a party showed the rear end and got fired immediately. yeah it's like yeah you guys come back when you grow up and yeah uh well I, i'm not gonna say they necessarily grew up but they realized the error of their ways and did not make that mistake twice i mean other mistakes but they didn't make that same mistake yeah um and they put on some classic matches and yeah. i still i still like to name the midnight rockers but because remember that yeah. was name first but i mean the, the rockers eh, it's too generic yeah. but but I mean, but for that time, <coughs> for, you know, for that time, you know, mid to late eighties, when like heavy metal was like ruling the world, you know, mm -hmm. well, the, they said, they said they were a combination of the midnight express and the rock and roll express and yep. midnight rockers. It's like, Oh, yep. okay. Yep. And that makes me wonder if they didn't come in with the song living after midnight. <laughs> <Should have>. Yeah. <laughs> but, yep. Um, but with Vern and, Part of the thing where I say he was ahead of his time, yes, he was expanding out. He was doing it in a better way than what Vince McMahon was doing because, like you said, Vern's way, everybody eats. Right. And he had, they had merchandise. And that's one of the things I'll have to look and see, okay, who had the action figures first? Was it the AWA or WWF? Because I'm pretty sure it was the AWA that had, that had action figures first. And then, you know, when... Because I don't remember WWE really having action figures until uh, the Rock and Wrestling Connection really blew up. And then they started, you know, putting out figures then. But because, uh, you know, they had the Saturday morning cartoon, they had the toy line to coincide with that. But I think it was AWA that had had the figures first. Uh, let me see. See if, with, if Dr. Google can tell us. <laughs> Let's see. AWA action figures. 
Oh, excuse me. Um, let's see. Rimco from 85 to 80. Wow. They, yeah, they didn't make them that long, did they? Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, the Rimco line. Okay. Um, well, yeah, 85. So, okay. And we look at um, when did the WWF. Now, granted, the WWF, I mean, their action figures. Um, I, I mean, I'm, I had a lot of them. <laughs> so I had the, the little ones that were basically uh, like rubber over some, you know, some wire. Um, yeah. Because eventually, like the wire would would break, and so all of a sudden you couldn't make their arm like stay. It was a broke. Yeah. yeah. Um, I had some of the thumb wrestlers. Um, let's see. Um, see what year were the first? What year did the WWF start? Action figures. Uh, okay, I know they had. Okay, Hasbro was in nineteen ninety. I know they had some before that. Um, because I was still living in North Carolina when I had them. Mm-hmm. But either way, I mean, they were roughly about the same time. But I mean, it wouldn't surprise me though. Like you said, Vern probably they had them first because yeah, Vern actually recognized that's another way of making money because Vern, I mean, he was a businessman. Yeah. And I'm not going to say he was always up and up on the business because where I think Vern messed up was instead of saying, you know what, let me get 10% of your um, earnings for however long and we're good because I helped train you, whatever. Yeah. 10%. Most people aren't going to throw a fit about that. No, most people are just like, okay, that's, you know, price of doing business. Yeah, it, it's a little annoying, but yeah. But when he's like, "Yeah, I want six percent," it's like, "Do what?" Yeah, it's a ten percent's a little annoying, but when you make enough, you don't really worry about ten percent. Right. But when you're talking sixty percent, and it's like, uh, "No, thank you. <laughs> I don't want any part of that." And I think that's where Vern messed up, and or also say though he was behind the times was. He knew Hulk Hogan drew money, but he didn't like that Hogan was not the technical Matt wrestler. Yeah. Like, yeah, like Bachwinkle, like his son Greg, who Greg was never as good as Vern. Greg will even tell you he wasn't as good, good as Vern. No, uh, yeah. Greg has gone on record saying that he was not as good as Vern. I think Greg I think Greg was a Greg was a good worker. Yeah. But he was never going to be that main main event level guy that Vern wanted him to be. Not as a singles wrestler. No, no, no. Him and Brunzel as the uh, the high flyers, you know, were a pretty decent team. Yeah. Um, you know, speaking of Brunzel, I think that whenever I post this to Twitter, I think I'm going to tag uh, Jumping Jim because he follows he follows the. The Twitter pod, uh, the podcast oh, Twitter, yeah, cool, yep. You know, so I don't know how often he pays attention to it, but maybe if I tag him, he'll. <laughs> yeah, he might. Yeah, he make swing by and say hi. Um, but you know, with Vern, I, I think that was another mistake, and that was another reason. Um, with Hogan also not wanting to give Vern the majority of his earnings, that's another reason why Vern would not put the title on him. Mm-hmm. 
you know, yep. so so in that way he was kind of ahead of his time. He was being like Vince Vince Petty, except for he was doing it, you know, in the early eighties. Yeah. It's like, oh, well, you don't want to give me you don't want to give me what I want, so I'm not gonna give you what you want, which right. is the world title. Plus right. Vern did you know, and, and then with people leaving, Vern got to where he didn't trust a lot of people. Right. Uh, really before leaving, because a lot of times Vern would you know Vern would put the world title on himself because he felt I think he felt like he couldn't trust anybody else yep. to carry it. So that's why he's you know a ten-time AWA world champion. Uh, but I think that was part. I think that was <clears throat> another part of the downfall too, is because when the owner of the company is making himself the champion. Other people, you know, people are going to get frustrated. Mm -hmm. And he was also putting the bet on Bachwinkle because Bachwinkle was very loyal to him. Yes, Bachwinkle was very loyal. I mean, Bachwinkle was, speaking of ahead of his time, Bachwinkle was a technical, like, master tactician in the ring. Amazing on the microphone. You know, one of the, Chris Jericho, like, when, like, the, um, late 2000s when he was a uh, world champion and he changed everything to the suits and started with the extremely articulate promos. He said that he said, I watched tons of Nick Bockwinkle promos. He's like, because everything he made you believe everything he said. And he was just so smug and articulate about it that mm -hmm. You couldn't help but watch him and appreciate what he was doing, but you couldn't stand him at the same time. And he's like, that was the perfect, you know, perfect combination for a heel champion. He's like, you don't always like Jake, Jake Roberts has always said, you don't have to come out and scream and, and holler with spit flying out of your mouth all the time to get your point across. Yeah. And Bachwinkle definitely didn't scream and yell and holler. He just, no. And, but I think if he didn't put the belt on himself, he put it on Bachwinkle and that was fine up until Bachwinkle was all of a sudden in his late forties. And yeah. all of a sudden now the, uh, the fans weren't necessarily buying it. And right. It, 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 and they had other people that they were wanting to win the title and Vern wouldn't, wouldn't pull the trigger. And well, Stan Hansen, when Stan Hansen beat Martel for the AWA World Title, that was the first, the first time I, um, so when I first became a wrestling fan, that was the first time I saw the AWA World Title change hands because Martel ha held it for a while. Yeah. Um, and, and then uh, Hansen, um, there was of course some conflict between Stan Hansen and um, and Vern. I don't know the exact details, but Vern wanted Hanson to drop the belt to Bachwinkle. But I, I think part of it was Stan was was Hanson about to go to Japan to do a tour. Yeah, he wanted to do it as the AWE World Champion because he felt it would actually add more prestige to the belt, and Vern didn't want to do it. So Hanson no showed and just took the belt with him anyway. <laughs> that sounds sounds about right. Yeah, and so that's when they awarded the title to Bachwinkle again. 
Yeah, because and, they had to come up with a different belt because uh, Stan Hansen actually returned the belt, but that's after he ran over it with his truck. Yeah. That that was, as far as like belts go, that's one of my favorite ones too. That old yeah, I, belt. Yeah, but I like the one that Kurt Henning had with the, had the crown at the top and right. like that. The one that Martell had was just, I don't know, it was just kind of plain. Well, it was, but it had it, like kind of big and silver, and it had like jewels around the yeah thing. I don't, I don't know why. I just I just like that one for some reason. But and I think that's where Vern was kind of missing the boat a little bit. Let Hanson take the belt and defend it in Japan, you know, and bring more more people and to the AWA and but. Stan Hansen was not Vern's type of wrestler. Right. Neither, were, neither were the Road Warriors. Yep. And I remember watching the Road Warriors DVD, and this was a couple of years after Hawk passed away. And Adam was was telling how they were uh, they were the AWA World Tag Team Champions, and they were going against the Fabulous Ones. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, Stan Lane, Steve Kern, who yep. were a good team. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. Yep. They were they were a very good team. However, nobody thought they were going to beat the Road Warriors. And but Vern no. wanted them to beat the Road Warriors. And Hawk went to the very beginning and said, We're not going for the finish. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and and so they turned it around to a double disqualification. And Vern said, You know, you changed the finish. He's like, Yeah. But nobody's changed the finish for me in 30 years. He's like, Well, we just did. Yeah. He said, because it didn't make sense for them to lose the belts yet. No, and it, it didn't make sense for the fabulous ones to beat them. It just right. It, it, that wasn't the team that should have, you know, that should have beat them for the titles. And, and you know, I think a lot of people forget about the fabulous ones. Okay. Yeah, well, uh, because you know, because Stan Lane went on to be, you know, have even more success with the Midnight Express. Yep. So whenever people hear Stan Lane, that's what they think is the Midnight Express. They, I don't know. I think a lot of people don't realize that he was in another team before, you know, in by the same token, Bobby Eaton too, because, you know, him and Dennis Condry were the, the original Midnight Express. And then, you know, Stan Lane came in later. So it's like a lot of people don't realize that both guys had different partners before they came together right um we remember because we're that old huh yeah <laughs> i mean we were <laughs> but um uh rick martell held the awa world title for 595 days okay yeah wow okay i knew it was over a year i didn't think it was that far over a year wow yeah because yeah. uh, he won it i believe from jumbo saruta yeah and when I, I need to find the match, it's at Wrestle Rock 85, I believe, where him and Hanson, they were in the main event and it lasted like three or four minutes because they they were barely even in the ring. I mean, it was a double count out. <laughs> I mean, and I mean it was brutal. It was not it was something you'd expect from Rick Martell. But uh that was the precursor to Hanson um taking the title from Martell. Yeah, Hanson even defended it in Japan, um, mm-hmm. uh, in all Japan, all, all I think it was all pro Japan, uh, and uh, he defended it over there. I think in 
86 when he went over there. Mm -hmm. And I think that was when everything started kind of going downhill for the AWA because they, I mean, they were still pretty prestigious right there along with the, the NWA and the WWF. And then those kind of shenanigans, all of a sudden people just weren't as interested. Yeah. And, and of course, you know, they were getting raided some, they were getting some people back in there. There was a little bit of a, uh, I guess you want to call it a backfill because that's when Scott Hall did come over. Yeah. You know, because Scott Hall, he was, I remember when he was in, in mid Atlantic with Dan Spivey when they were the American Starship. Mm-hmm. He was Starship yep. Coyote and he had a mustache that was just glorious. I'm not even going to lie. He had the, uh, I always call it the, uh, he had the Magnum PI mustache. He really did. And <laughs> kind of ironically enough, when he went to AWA, they were actually trying to call him Magnum Scott Hall. Really? And, yeah. And that didn't work out very well. <laughs> but, but he, uh, him and his glorious mustache, and when they were, him and Kurt Hennig, they became the team, like you were yep. saying. Yep. And then when Kurt jumped uh, all of a sudden, and it, it, I remember it surprised me back then uh, because I didn't realize how downhill the AWA had gone by this point because because um, Kurt was the world champion, but then he yeah, dropped and bounced. And Scott Hall had gone back to, well, now it's WCW, and he was the mm-hmm. diamond stud, and, and the mustache yep. went, went away. Yep. I didn't even recognize him. I should have realized it, but didn't recognize him. Um, and then, of course, later on, they joined up again, you know, yeah. as Mr. Perfect and Razor Ramon. Yeah. <laughs> but the Midnight Rockers had now left. They became just the Rockers. And then some of the other ones, Slaughter was in the AWA. He yep. left the WWF, AWA. He was there for a long time. He went back to yep. the WWF in 1990. And they were running out of people. So eventually they put the title on Larry Zabesco. And then uh, isn't that when Jerry Lawler, who did Jerry Lawler beat? Because he became the, uh, because they merged. Uh, let me see. Yeah, they merged for a time with memphis and memphis was also merging with world class let's see but jerry wall jerry lawler beat kurt hitting okay jerry lawler beat kurt hitting for the title uh let me see and then uh, Jerry Waller also beat Kerry Von Erich for the uh, world class uh, world title. And ah, okay. it all became unified. And it was the unified AWA World Heavyweight Championship. And then, but then, some more shenanigans Lawler gets stripped because the CWA, Continental Wrestling Association, that Jerry Lawler was with split from the AWA. So Lawler was stripped of the world title. And that's when Zabisco got it. I'm guessing that's when, that's when Zabisco got it. He won a, uh, he won a battle Royal to win the world title. He be, he, uh, Tom Zink was the last person he eliminated to win it. Um, another reason Larry Zabisco was trusted with the world title <laughs> is because that was Vern's son-in-law. Yep. He's married to Vern's daughter. Yep. And apparently, according to, I think it was Shivani and or Jim Ross, um, apparently it was the best go. He, he, I, I guess he smokes all the weed. <laughs> I've never heard that, but <laughs> yeah, I'm, I, he, I'm not surprised. <laughs> yeah. Uh, they're on the, all their podcast. I mean, they're just, 
throwing it all out there. I didn't, I didn't realize Jim Ross, uh, you know, he liked his weed back in the day too. Well, he, Jim Ross has uh, purchased a, uh, a marijuana farm. I, he, okay, I did, that's right. I did hear about I think that. He's got one. I think Steve Austin's got one. I think he's bought one too, or he may be partners with somebody on one, but there's several wrestling personalities that you wouldn't, that you'd be surprised have one like, you know, RVD's in that market, but well, that's, yeah. <laughs> that's always been RVD's market. So, yeah. Uh, and uh, Bruce Pritchard, I mean, he's kind of open about how much he used to smoke. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, there was one of Tony Schiavone's podcast, they were in Vegas and he was doing it while they were doing the podcast. And he apparently, he had, <laughs> he had ne- and he had never done it before. That was the funny thing. Oh, wow. Yeah, so Tony Schiavone, yeah, he waits till he's, he turns 60 to start smoking weed, pierce his ear, and get a tattoo. Yeah. <laughs> and he's got another, he's got a couple tattoos now. Oh, does he? Yeah, because he's got his his, uh, his dog named Bug. He's got a tattoo of his dog, like, on, on somewhere. Oh, okay. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, he, he talks about it. And, yeah, of course, you see him now on the broadcast. You look yeah. at his ears. I mean, he does yep. not look like he's in his 60s. He does not, no. I mean, he looks really good for his age, so. Uh, and I hate saying that, you know, for their age, you know, throwing the qualifier on there, but, but I mean, he does, he does not look like he's in his sixties. No. You know, so uh, let's see. Larry Zabisco loses the title to Mr. Saito in Japan. Really? Yep. That's and good. Then, I, I like Mr. Saito. And then Larry Zabisco wins it back at Super Clash 4. Um, and Larry Zabisco is the final AWA world champion um, because basically the NW, the AWA was inactive and Zabisco left for WCW. He's like, well, you guys ain't doing anything. I'm out of here. Yeah. The, the KFAB reason was that he refused to defend the title on a tour of Japan, but when actually the company was pretty much inactive and he signed with WCW. So title was declared vacant and then january 12th 1991 awa closed its doors title was deactivated so larry zavisco was the final awa world champion and four months later you and i graduate high school yep yep (laughs) (laughs) uh but like some of the names of going back to the legacy of Vern gagne and the awa uh, some of the, the names that have been AWA world champion, uh, Fritz von Erich. Uh, yep, I forgot about him. Yep. You know, Vern Gagne himself, Mad Dog Vachon. Uh, let's see, Mr. Wrestling, Dick the Bruiser. I did not know Dick the Bruiser was uh, was a world champion. I, I didn't know Mr. Wrestling. Well, you're talking about the original Tim Williams, uh-huh. right? Okay. Yep. Uh, let's see. Actually, it has Hogan. There, you know, of course they added a, they added it retroactively. Like yeah, Hogan gets yeah Hogan gets a reign as the champion, uh, but there's an asterisk next to it because they used foreign objects in the both of them used foreign objects in the match. Uh, let's see who else. Uh, like we said, Rick Martel, Stan Hansen, Kurt Henning, Jerry Lawler. Uh, just you know list of hall of famers that have and even people that didn't win the world title uh 
Scott Hall, you know, Shawn Michaels, uh, just, you know, Jesse Ventura, all these Hall of Famers have come through the AWA and learned how to be a star mm -hmm. in the AWA. A lot of people think, oh, well, you know, guys in the 80s, you know, they were, Vince McMahon made them a star. No, they were already stars in the AWA. They were already world traveled in the AWA before they got to Vince McMahon. It's just, the thing with Vince is production quality. Oh, absolutely. It's second to none. The WWE to this day cannot be touched as far as their production. But then that's where Vern kind of shot himself in the foot, so to speak, because Vern didn't want to. Vern wanted to keep it. And in a way, I respect this because we've talked about this before wrestling for me personally wrestling is best when it's down and dirty and it's mm -hmm. just it's not super flashy it is not super polished and it's just down and dirty and gritty and i feel like burn wanted the awa to stay that way and that may have been why because i think he saw what vince was doing everything was colorful and cartoonish and way over the top and i think burn being a you know collegiate trained wrestler himself uh and i'm sure he did wrestling in the military uh i'm sure he looked at it like that's not wrestling what we're doing over here in the awa is wrestling and what they're doing over here is it and but by the time Vern wanted, to, by the time Vern started decided to try to do the TV expansion, it was too little, too late. I mean, his roster was, you know, super thin, and he didn't have he didn't have the quality of talent to put on TV like he used to, especially when early '80s, when it's real, you know, actually mid '80s when WWE started really ramping it up with TV and pay-per-view and things like that, that's when Byrne should have jumped on that train and got more TV coverage for his product. Um, to show you what a, what a legit athlete, just athlete in general, Vern Gagne was, he was drafted by the Bears in the 1947 NFL draft. Really? Yes. That is awesome. Yeah, and this is when the Bears, I mean, they were the team. Yeah, yeah. And... He is also considered to be somewhat an NWA world champion, but he held the like the Omaha version. And I was trying to. Yes, I saw that. Uh, I was doing some research earlier and I saw, yeah, he he held the Omaha version of the NWA world title because back then every territory had their own version of the title. Or Yeah, and they there was an issue because. Excuse me. Some of the territories, some of the ones they wanted Pat O'Connor. Mm -hmm. And then some of them didn't. And Pat O'Connor wouldn't come. And that's when all the politics got involved. Yeah. And this this may be another reason why maybe there shouldn't be another <laughs> overarching thing because yeah. politics. And that's when the AWA split from the NWA and became mm -hmm. their own separate thing because they're like, you know, you know, and that's when the schisms happen. Yep. And yep. 
but yeah, he was drafted in the said the 16th round, but I don't know how many rounds they had back then. But yeah, George Hallis told him make a choice, wrestling or football, because um, he he had found out Bronco Nagurski, you know, the great Hall of Famer, NFL Hall of Famer Bronco mm-hmm. Nagurski was, you know, moonlighting as a wrestler because back then football, even up until like the early 70s, NFL players were moonlighting because football, football didn't pay. Didn't yeah. pay. Yeah. Um, now, yeah, football pays. Yeah. Yeah, I think. Football, the, yeah, football I think pays even, a lot. What the minimum salary in the NFL is something like three quarters of a million dollars. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yep. So, so that's what I need to do. That's my game plan. I'm gonna go play for a year, <laughs> make the minimum, and then quit and just invest. <laughs> I think the minimum even is like the guys at the end of the bench that hardly ever actually get in the game. Yeah. I mean, they're just like, hey, you know, I got a good seat. Yeah. You know, I mean, that, that's the way to do it. No wear and tear in your body. And you're still making a quarter of a million dollars, you know, yeah. three quarters of a million dollars. It's like, yeah, I'll take that payday. <laughs> you, play, you play the guitar in the MTV. That ain't yeah. working. <laughs> <laughs> Money for nothing and the chicks for free. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, for all, the, all those who don't know that reference, you know, look it up. <laughs> so, that's some old school MTV right there. Yeah. Back when when the M actually stood for music. I don't know what it stands for now, but it ain't music. I, I don't even I don't even know why they call it MTV anymore because they they I I don't know. <laughs> no, no, but anyway, um, don't get me started. <laughs> yeah. But I kind of wonder, you know, and we can play the what if game, and of course that's how we armchair book something is we start playing what if if Vern. You know, because he started out doing the right thing with Hogan because Hogan was already he Hogan had already become nationally known because he was in Rocky Three. Yep. And Vern's like, hmm, you know, okay, this guy's got got me recognition. I'm going to make him to a baby face. Mm-hmm. But he didn't like the way Hogan he wrestled, and that's where Vern screws up. You know, where you can say, look, dude, you're running a business. Sometimes you got to do what's better for business. Yeah. You know, you don't, and, not, don't quite, the, the, if the method's legal, go with yeah. it. If it's illegal, I get it. But. Right. And my thing is, it's, I am, I'll be the first one. I am a huge fan of technical wrestling. Mm-hmm. Some of my favorite wrestlers ever are technical wrestlers. But everybody can't be a technical wrestler. You right. have to have, you have to have different styles on your wrestling shows, in your wrestling company, or it gets boring. Everything's going to be the same. Like even AEW and their work rate is much better than uh-huh. WWE's in my opinion, but they mix it up because if everything is just work rate without some cooling down points in between, because some of the big man matches are, or some of the brawls and stuff kind of mix it up. Uh-huh. Like for every, for every Brian Danielson match that you have, you get an Eddie Kingston match. You have a technical masterpiece, and you have a violent masterpiece, or a Wardlow. Yeah, or a Wardlow throwing five power bombs on a guy. (laughs) Yeah, but like things like that. But they mix it up well, and I think Byrne would have been better served to kind of mix it up and like go with should have just did what Vince did, played up Hogan's strengths and hide the weaknesses. Mm -hmm. And that's just called leadership. Yeah, (laughs) like that—that's the—I mean, that's in the main—that's in the leadership manual. You Mm -hmm. you accentuate the positives and hide the negatives. Yeah, and 
if you do have to bring the negatives in, well, you help them improve. Exactly. And yeah, Vern, he didn't recognize that. And, and I think maybe if he had with Hogan, but do you think, uh, do you think that the AWA would have stayed in existence longer? Because I think eventually Vince was still going to take over everything because coming yeah, out of the Northeast I, with all the I money. Think, I think Vince would have taken over, but I think it wouldn't have been as easy to take over as it was given the fact. Because I think if Byrne had have done things just a little bit different, a lot of these guys wouldn't have left the right. IWA to go to WWE. So Vince would have had to look elsewhere to poach that talent. And where was he going to go? Because he wasn't going to poach it from the NWA. And so Vince would have had to work with the talent that he had. Because, you know, if, if Vern had done things differently, Hogan would have stayed. Kurt Henning, you know, because a lot of why these guys left is because WWE was this monster that was just taking over everything and making all this money. They, they were and, making all the money. Yeah, and guys were like, I need to get on that train before it leaves the station. Make that money. Don't blame them. You got a family to feed, make that money. Mm -hmm. But I think by Vern trying to be in everybody's pockets, it... Yep he soured you know it left a bad taste in guys mouths and guys didn't want to work for him because it's like i'm i'm the one that's putting my body on the line and doing all this work i do get that burn trained a lot of guys and like you said 10 percent would have been fine but to ask 60 percent of a guy's earnings for stuff that you're not physically doing i think that's just a little too much that's just i think that's going yeah you know, way too far. And, but I think, I think he could have had a monster company, you know, if he would have been more, wouldn't have been as rigid with things, because it seems like from everything that I've researched, it's like Vern was just like, it's either my way or none. There's not really a compromise. And in business, there's got to be a compromise. There's always a compromise in business. Mm -hmm. And uh, Vern basically almost used like mafia tactics. Yes. Yep. And they weren't buying it. It's like, I'm the, I'm the boss. You kick up to me what I tell you to kick up to me. And they were like, no, I'm no. not doing that. And that's why he lost Hogan. That's why he lost Ventura. Adrian Adonis was another one. Uh, yep. Yep. Um, that's right. He lost Oakland. He lost Heenan. He lost all of them like in a one fell swoop. And if you look at uh, Bundy, another one, I mean, mm -hmm. and you look at that very first WrestleMania and it's like half of it was guys and girls who were in what well, they were in the NWA just a year, mm -hmm. up, you know, three months to a year prior. Yep. The other half were in the AWA. Yep. I'll try to think uh, Sherry Martell. Yep, I, you know, and her name popped up a while ago in yep. my head too, and I meant to say it. Sherry Martell was another one that was uh, in the AWA and then and eventually then left and went to WWF. And uh, but yeah, just that those first several WrestleManias were built on talent from the AWA. 
mm-hmm. that that initial boom period, like you said, it was talent from some talent from NWA, but there was a lot of talent from the AWA. And yeah, I mean, as business wise, Vince was smart. It's like this guy's got all this talent that he's not utilizing to you know to the fullest. I can offer them more money and they can come work for me and I can take over the world. Uh, if Byrne had had that mentality and been willing to, I don't even think it was a matter of guys were leaving because men and women were leaving because Byrne wasn't paying. I know Vince could pay more, but I think it's just because Vern wanted so much of their profits that it's like, what does that leave me with? If I do all this work and then hand you the majority of my money, what am I doing this for? Exactly. And uh, of course, here's the funny thing. Vern and the powers of the AWA had to still be running a quality organization because some of the ones when they were jumping from the WWF back then, Slaughter, Backlund, Snooka, you know, it was the first three from my mind. They left WWF and went to the AWA. Yeah. Exactly. So it wasn't like that it was a terrible company and nobody wanted to work there or anything like that. It's like, no, guys were going there to work. It's just Burn wanted too much control. And yep. you know wrestling is not wrestling is not a sport to where you know you can't expect these independent contractors to give you everything they make exactly it's like like who's gonna i mean you know i'm not gonna give my employer everything i make i don't work for free and these other people aren't you know wrestlers aren't gonna work for free it's like if i'm making this money you know i might give you a little bit of it but you're not getting most of it right and he's over there acting like he's the the fabulous moolah yeah so, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, and I grant he wasn't making his wrestlers do other things apparently that Moolah was doing, but yeah, uh, but that's a story for another day. <laughs> but, um, speaking of other days, uh, we are scheduled to record Monday. We, like I said, we don't actually have a topic yet because, well, that's how we roll. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of what we do, <laughs> but we let, we let the business dictate what what we talk about if. If there's not a major thing, we always come up with a good topic to discuss. Yep. And although I will throw up that we, Dwayne and I, we have kind of thrown some ideas back and forth, you know, via text messages and other things. We've actually talked about discussing unions in mm-hmm. wrestling. That's some of the things we've, uh, we've talked about specific, you know, maybe talk about a specific wrestler. Uh, kind of like what we did today was, but Yes, we were talking about Vern Gagne, and I just want to say we actually have the utmost respect for Vern Gagne for what he did for wrestling, so we don't want it to come across like we're just doing nothing but slamming him because we really were not. Right, no, it's like, like I I said at the, you know, top of the program, without Vern Gagne, it's kind of like with AWA left a hole that never truly got filled. Right. Ring of you know it's kind of like Ring of Honor today. Ring of Honor is leaving a hole that's not going to be able to be filled. It's going other people are going to take that space, but the contributions that Ring of Honor did for pro wrestling 
can never be replaced. And that's how I feel about the AWA. That's how both of us feel about the AWA and mm-hmm. Vern Gagne. Vern's contributions and his company as a whole, their contributions to wrestling are extraordinary and really have laid the foundation to what wrestling became. Right. Um, and some of the things we know, we talked about other other indies and the direction of those. And uh, but yeah, so we we actually do have potential topics. My so I don't want to make anything that, that yeah. we just go. You know what? We're just lazy. And don't think of anything. No, that's right. not at all. Uh, but we we let the current events kind of dictate what's going on because sometimes we have to strike while the iron's hot. I'm pretty sure that the the first Monday uh, on the third of January, I'm pretty sure we're going to be discussing the the day one pay per view. Yep, uh, more than likely. And that's going to be interesting watching it on New Year's Day and on a Saturday. Yeah, that's going to be weird. Yeah. And I know we've been trying to get some more interviews lined up. Um, you know, Dwayne's been talking to somebody right now, a pretty, pretty big name. Yeah. Um, you know, but we're having to go through an agent to do that. So, yep. Yeah, but hopefully, I'm, you know, that works out for us. So, yeah, hopefully so. I'm waiting to hear back now. I don't want to jinx anything by, you know, saying who it is but i'm you know i would love to have this person on the podcast and interview them i've been a a fan for a long time so i think it would be an amazing show if we could get you know get them on the show uh and i think after the new year i think the interviews will probably come more often because right now everybody's in family mode yeah you know i can't blame them i mean mean, as as they should be i mean i don't i don't blame them a bit yeah, because that's when, you know, Monday when I finally said, okay, I can't do the show because, you know, sick. Yeah. And I was like, okay, how about tomorrow? Well, can't do it tomorrow. Then we're like, oh, Wednesday. Yeah. Couldn't do it Wednesday, you know, because yep. we, we do yep. have other obligations. I mean, um, yeah. and, you know, I was like, well, we'll have to do it Thursday. But then I was out shopping with my kids <laughs> and uh, we had a nice time at the Waffle House because my son loves going to the Waffle House. And, you know, I, um, I do like the food. I'm not gonna lie. I mean, I actually do like you know their stuff. Um, maybe you know, especially like their, their sausage and grits bowl. That thing is good. Oh, uh-huh, okay. Oh, dude. Whew. And my kids don't know the the wonderfulness of grits, and trying to introduce grits to them. Ugh, poor kids. What? <laughs> yeah, I can't do grits. Oatmeal. Were... Oatmeal, I can okay. do it. But so I you, were, a... you were born and bowl... raised in Kentucky, and you don't yeah. like grits. I ate a bowl of oatmeal just about every day, but. That was good for your heart, though. So yeah, but grits? No, I can't do it. <laughs> my dad like my dad like grits, but I oh, love me some grits. Um, I tell you, man, you're breaking all sorts of Kentucky Commonwealth laws. Let's <laughs> say you don't like grits, you don't like the Wildcats. Uh, yeah, I'm surprised they even let you live in the state. You know, I, I, I'm sorry, I, I the Commonwealth. I mean, can't yeah. actually it's a Commonwealth. People, don't, <laughs> you know, um, that's why I say when I moved to Kentucky, I didn't follow. I was not born in Kentucky, so I, I, I'm not required to be a UK supporter or Louisville yeah. supporter. I do know you support Louisville, though. Yeah, you know, somewhat because because you did you went to school there for a bit. Yeah, so. I do support Louisville and I do support Murray State because I went to I went to both schools, but I can't I can't do the UK thing. I just I know my wife <laughs> asked me she's like because savannah my oldest daughter she uh has been talking about wanting to uh do law wanting to be a lawyer okay and hope said uh 
Coach, like, what are you going to do if Savannah, if uh, Savannah gets into UK's law school? And I'm like, I mean, I'm going to support her. Yeah. But I'm still not supporting the Wildcats. Okay? <laughs> yeah. I mean, um, my daughter, uh, when she was, when she was about eighth grade or freshman in high school, and she's already starting to look at different colleges. And mm-hmm. she asked me, she said, would you be mad if I went to Duke? And of course, you know, me and in case anybody's yeah, wondering, Dwayne's right. Dwayne's favorite college team is the Tar Heels when it comes yep. to basketball. So yep. um, and so basically, you know, we just hate Duke just on principle. Right. Um, but if my daughter got into Duke, yeah. you know, for academic reasons, uh now I'm not gonna change the color blue I'm wearing. Exactly. That's but, me. I'm not but, it, yeah, Savannah got into UK, I'm not gonna all of a sudden be a Wildcats fan, but I'm going to support her. Yeah. The academics and the athletics are totally separate things. Exactly. Yep. You know, so, but anyway, uh, we even get off topic whenever we get ready to get off. (laughs) But uh, on that note, we hope everybody's listening because we were actually recording this on Christmas Eve Eve. And we want to wish all our listeners a very happy Merry Christmas. And we hope everybody is doing well health wise. Um, I know right now people are getting sick, obviously myself included. Uh, but I'm getting over it and want everybody, you know, we will be recording Monday and hopefully trying to record next Thursday, which will be New Year's, New Year's Eve Eve. Yeah. Um, and next, of course, next week is the lame duck week of the year. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so, uh, but we will, we will come up with more plans. We promise. And like I said, more interviews because they, people really seem to dig the interviews and I like to think that we do a good job with those. I think so. I mean, from what I people I know that have listened to the podcast, I've heard you know nothing but good things. So, yep, yep. So, and we have actually gotten some feedback from some people that it wasn't that it was negative, but it was constructive, right? You know, just just some improvement ideas. They weren't being yeah. rude or anything. They just said, "Hey, you, you want to try this? You want to try that?" And we and we do listen. So, yeah. Um, but and until next week, like I said, Merry Christmas and God bless. Absolutely, God bless.